Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Hi there, Ecclesia. My name is Danielle, and I am the summer intern around here. And I'm so excited to be continuing our series on the book of Acts. I'm also really excited to be back in the role of preaching and hopefully bring a word for you guys today. But I'm someone who learns really well with stories, so I'm going to begin today with a story from my childhood. So when I was younger, around an elementary age, um, I was not a very good student. I was someone who had really low test scores and I wasn't very good at reading. And honestly, by the time I finished the third grade, my teacher at the time had recommended to my parents that I be held back. Now, that didn't end up happening, but I can still remember year after year sitting in a classroom and feeling so confused, thinking, why did everyone else understand all this material and I just didn't? And I tried again and again to make sense of the curriculum but it just left me feeling more defeated and lost. And by the time I finished the fourth grade, I was fully convinced that I would never catch up to my peers and I would never be able to get good grades. I also fully believed that I was just someone who would never be thought of as someone who's smart or intelligent. And that was really my reality at the time. But that was before Miss Barry. So Miss Barry was my fifth grade teacher and the best way to describe her is just someone who loved her job. She is just one of those people who would get up in the morning and be so excited to go to work. She loved students, she loved teaching, and she was just this ball of silly fun energy that would break out into song and just be her wacky self. But she was also very patient with her students. And I remember her sitting with me and other students and just listening to our questions and the ways that we were struggling with the curriculum. And she was also the kind of person who would explain and re-explain the same thing until we understood it. And that year, I became a better student by far my grades improved, and I also really gained confidence in myself as an academic. And that encouragement and, I, and care that I received from her really stuck through me, not just in the fifth grade, but into middle school and high school and college. And having her come alongside me really affected my trajectory as an academic, and it affected how I viewed myself as a whole. And I'm not here today to critique different teaching styles or comment on the public school system, but I honestly want to emphasize what a difference a good teacher makes for a student. And I think Acts 8 tells a very similar story. When our story begins in verse 26, we are introduced to a character named Philip. And this narrative unfolds before us where if we bring it down to a ground level, it's one person teaching another about God. 
And another way of saying that is just evangelizing or evangelism. And I know that can be a scary word and make some people uncomfortable, or maybe bring up images of people knocking on your door on Saturday morning and trying to hand you a pamphlet. But Philip's story really provides a great example of evangelism or teaching and how simple it can be. We actually are first introduced to Philip in Acts 6, when people of the early church begin to complain that the widows of that time were not being taken care of. So the 12 apostles came together and they selected seven men who truly loved the Lord. And those men were sent to take care of the widows. Now in Acts 8, we see Philip, who was one of those seven men, um, and he is sent from Jerusalem to Gaza by an angel of God. So he is directly called by God to go to Gaza. And on his journey, he comes across an Ethiopian eunuch. And just to paint a picture here, this particular man is in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopians. He's also extremely wealthy. And we know this because he's riding in a chariot, which only the wealthiest people of that time could afford. He's also probably not Jewish and lives on the margins of society, even though he's very wealthy. This is because he was a eunuch and could not bear children. So he's basically at arm's length with people in his society. And when we think about this, Philip in this situation has nothing in common with this man. There is a cultural divide, a socioeconomic divide, and even a religious divide. But regardless of this man's background or status or anything, God still sees value in him and wants to pursue him. So he calls Philip to be his mouthpiece in this situation. And we see that the spirit tells Philip to approach his chariot and he obeys. And I think this is the first lesson that we can learn from Philip about evangelism, that it's an act of obedience. And we see that at this point, it's, it may seem like a very simple task, just you know, listening to God and approaching a chariot, but sometimes obedience can be very difficult. We all know those times when God tugs on our heart and tells us to go up to someone, whether it's a coworker, a neighbor, or a classmate who just really needs a friend or someone to talk to, or just going through a hard time. God calls us to be those people for them. And honestly, obedience is half the battle. Just walking up to a person and starting a conversation or sitting with them in a struggle is so significant. But at this point in the story, Philip hasn't even opened his mouth. He hasn't said a single thing. He has just been obedient to the command to draw near to this man. And we see as the story picks up in verse 30, that Philip says, or it says, so Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? So the two words here that I wanna focus on are heard and asked, listening and inquiring. These are two very important words and two very important elements in evangelism. He didn't walk up to this man and just say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And by the way, everything you've been doing up until this point is sinful and wrong. No, 
He stops and with his interaction, he observes the situation and inquires about this man and his situation. And I think this is the second lesson that we can learn from Philip, that evangelism is an act of listening and asking questions. Just like my fifth grade teacher, Philip provided a listening ear and genuine interest in this man's struggle. And we see that the, this man responds well to this, this approach. We see in verse 31 that the Ethiopian man replies, how can I, referring to scripture, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. And right in this passage, we see this beautiful exchange of these two men sitting together, reading scripture. And I wonder what it would have been like to be a bystander watching this unfold. Seeing these two men who didn't look alike, dress alike, or have similar status, sitting together, leaning over the word of God. And I wonder if someone would have stopped and stared for a minute, thinking, what is so important about that book that it brought these two very different people together? But I honestly think this is a beautiful display of the power of the Bible and how it can bring people together that are not the same in any way. And so this is our third lesson that Philip teaches us, that evangelism is an act of witnessing through scripture. It's digging through the word and trying to find answers. It's letting God work through this process and change hearts and minds through it. It's a form of teaching that says, I don't have all the answers, but let's figure this out together. And as anyone who is familiar with the Bible knows, all scripture leads back to the message of Jesus. In verse 25, we see that Philip uses the story from Isaiah to lead back to the gospel message and the message of Jesus. And he doesn't warp it into some kind of guilt trip or get out of jail free card gospel, or he doesn't try to scare him with a threat of hell. No, he explains who Jesus was and what he did for all of humanity. He shares a message that involves love and forgiveness and hope, and that is what changes this man's heart. And honestly, he is so moved by this message. We see that in the passage, he decides to be baptized at the first chance he gets. They're literally coming along in the chariot and he sees a body of water and says, why can't I be baptized now? And so I think that's the last lesson that Philip teaches us, that evangelism is an act of sharing the good news of Jesus. It's letting the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus change hearts and minds. It's honestly just being a mouthpiece and letting God do the rest. So when we look back on this passage, we see that Philip has created a pretty solid understanding of what evangelism looks like, a pretty solid formula, so to speak. He shows us that it's an act of obedience of listening and asking questions, of witnessing through scripture and sharing the good news of Jesus. But how does this apply to us today? We know that Philip's story is not something that happens 
in today's world, and it's not a very common situation to happen upon. But I think that there are ways that we can apply it to the 21st century, even today. So if we look at obedience, we see that God is always in the pursuit of people. That never changes. But we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to join God in this mission? Are we willing to answer the call to connect with non-believers who God wants to desperately love and redeem? And I think on a practical level, level, this looks like seeking out people that don't know God and building a genuine relationship with them. It looks like stepping outside of our comfort zone and being obedient to this call that God has placed on all of our lives. For listening and asking questions, whether someone is new to faith or has no faith, it's important to be a listening ear and not a fire hose. It's important to come from a place of curiosity and compassion and not judgment or hate. It's important to ask about someone's previous experiences and assumptions and maybe even concerns with faith and the church. And being this listening ear creates a foundation of trust that maybe will allow someone to be more open to hearing about God in the future. This is a step that's overlooked a lot, but it's really important. We also have witnessing through scripture. And like I said, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is a very rare situation. We don't walk into Starbucks and see someone leaning over the book of Proverbs and looking really confused. But if we're honest, we know that lots of people have questions and maybe even skepticism when it comes to scripture. And if we have a good relationship with that person, we can be there to work through those questions and come together over scripture, just like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and honestly, we can let the spirit move through those situations. The Bible is a living, breathing document. And if we're willing to interact with it and struggle through it, it can change lives and hearts. Lastly, sharing the good news of Jesus. I think this is the easiest part because it's a reminder that God has already done all of the work. So evangelism is just our response to that effort. It's an opportunity to share the message of God's love and mercy towards all of humanity, but also share about how God has impacted us as individuals. We are simply retelling the story of what God has already done and the promise of what he's going to do. We are becoming a conduit of love and hope for all people. Friends, evangelism is something that we're called to do, but it doesn't have to be stuffy or complicated. I think Daniel Thambira Hud-Niles says it best when he says, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And this is so true because we all come into this world as hungry beggars, no better than anyone else, just trying to find nourishment and food amidst facades of fake food that will never satisfy the soul. But once we've found the bread of life and living water, it's time to tell others where to find it. Let's pray. Dear loving and gracious God, I thank you for the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. 
I thank you for all that we can learn from the way that Philip evangelized. And I thank you, God, that you have done all of the work and we are just responding to your love and grace and mercy through evangelism. I ask us, I ask that you would remind us of how much you have pursued us and how much you are trying to pursue others. And you would put this call of evangelism on each of our hearts. Lord, we love, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.